0: Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me. We'll start in Genesis chapter twenty-two. Hey Amen. I feel the presence of the Lord. I was was driving down here today, and some of my kids in the car they they ask some interesting questions. Sometimes, sometimes there the an, there is no answer. Sometimes the answer is right in front of them, and sometimes you have to stop and think quite a long time about what the answer really is. And we were talking about some of these things today, and, and one of my children said, how come there's people that don't go to church? And that's one of those where the answer is not right in front of you, and it's not right in front of them. And, and we were talking about this, though, and I felt the Lord really, he he simplified it for me, the answer to that, and... I'll do my best to try and, and explain where I'm coming from when I say this answer because you'll think, oh, that's too simple. There's got to be more to it than that. So obviously, we, we, we went through a schedule change here not too far back. And pre, previously, we were some of those that didn't go to church on Sunday, right? So obviously, first and foremost, not everybody goes to church at the same time, every, every, every time. Clearly, we've got different schedules, we've different days, and the Bible actually says that one man esteemeth one day above the others, and another day esteemeth every day alike, and really, I felt the Lord give me that as a quick little answer to say, it's okay to go to church on the day that you feel like you need to go to church as, as the body, okay? Now, I'm not saying that if nobody, somebody wants to come here tomorrow and have church yourself, well, you're, you're welcome to come and pray and, and all that, but... We schedule things, but we don't look at just the calendar and say, well, church is supposed to be on Sunday, so we're gonna have it on Sunday, or it's supposed to be on Wednesday night, so we're doing on we do what is collectively good for the body in that regard. Right? But so so that used to be the hang up was why aren't we going to church? Because it's Sunday. Well, we're going to church now on Sunday. But the other question, the the next question was, Well, we're going to church on Sunday and there's other people I don't think they ever go to church they don't seem like they ever go to church why don't they go to church and so this is where sometimes you start talking before you really know the answer right I don't know if anybody else said that I do that because I, I, I'm trying to figure out somewhere along the way what's going to make sense about what it is that I'm saying as as the answer but well, some people they just some people don't don't really know that, you know, their family didn't go to church. They weren't raised going to church. They they didn't you know, they don't have a background where people around them. And, and as I'm saying these things, it's the, the Lord's actually kind of helping me with this. And he's basically he broke it down into two categories. This is what I said to them. There's two categories of people when you when you talk about people that don't go to church now. And if this terminology doesn't sit well with you, I apologize. Uh, but this is the elementary version of it, and we 'll see if that flies but there 's two categories of people that that don 't go to church, and this is i 'm talking about regularly never go to church well obviously my wife 's not here today, and my, my, my two children aren 't here, my two sons aren 't here today so before I even got aunt, my answer out for the two categories of types, one of the kids pipes up, "I know because they 're sick." Okay, well, yes, that's a legitimate excuse if you are sick and you are contagious and you're trying to not make the rest of the church sick. Yes, you're 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 forgiven. You're you're allowed to stay home. But we're talking about people that just don't go to church ever, regardless. So the, there's two categories. There's people that I would say don't know about church, and I don't mean to say that they don't know what a church is, because you can drive from here. To the, to the other side of Selah, and if you didn't know what a church was before, you'd know what a church is after just because you passed so many of them, right? They're everywhere. And so you know what a church is, but you, when I say you, they don't know what it is, it really I'm saying they don't know the importance of it. They don't know the significance, the reasoning behind why we go to church and what it is that we do here. Okay? Really what I'm saying is they don't know the word of God. Okay, they don't know the reasoning in the word of God for joining yourself to the body of Christ. So they don't know that. If they don't know it, can't really expect them to just light bulb one day. Oh, yeah, I'm going to start going to church. See what that's all about. Now, I'm sure that's happened, but it's not the normal way that things transpire. So that's, that's the first group. And that's okay. And we have a a call. We have a charge from the Lord to share what we know with them, teach them, witness to them and say, I know that you don't know much about this. I'm kind of learning a little bit about it as I'm going and the Lord's dealing with me. Let me share with you what it is that I've learned about it. And you witness to them. And and the the kingdom of God grows when that happens, when you share your knowledge and they start to learn and they see and they start to come along and, and join and seek the Lord. OK, now the second group of people, this is when I said, if you don't like the terminology, um, you'll have to forgive me. But so those, there's the group that don't that don't know about church. And then I said the rest of them, they don't like church. And. There was silence in the van. <laughs> What do you mean they don't like church? I was just I was sitting there because I said it and then I thought about it. It's one of those things you say it and then you Well, I'm sure those that don't like church, they have varying reasons for why they don't like church. And and one of my daughters spoke up, you mean they don't like the preacher? (laughs) Well, that may be the case for some. Or they, they don't like so-and-so. But, so as I was saying these things, I was trying to get across to them. They have their reasons, but they're not good reasons to not go to church. Okay? The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Now, let me put that in plain English, English for you. Just because other people don't go to church, that doesn't mean you can't go to church. Okay? Forsake not the assembling of yourselves. That means don't give up on assembling together as the church, as the body of Christ. We had a really interesting um, meeting a few months back over in Puyallup. Some of us that, that were there, uh, Bishop had just invited some of us to sit around a table and talk a little bit about life ministries. And one of the individuals there, we had an assigned reading about about the church. And one of the individuals there he said, I think that this is great what we're reading, but I just wish the writer would have used a different word besides the word church. And we all just paused for a minute and okay, well, you, what what do you suggest? What are you what are you thinking? And and what he's, what this individual was saying was, well, I've spent time in another country and I, I learned Enough of another language to learn it when, when you're dealing with people of different languages and, and it, English is one thing, but if you if you went to that country and used their language and said, We are the church, what you really would be saying to them is, We are a building okay that kind of makes a little bit of sense we're 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 not a building right I mean if these Four walls and the roof weren't here, but we were all still here, and the chairs were here. We wouldn't say, "Look at us! We're a building." No, we're we're. So he's what he says is in that language. There's the there's the word that means the building, and there's the word that means the group of people. What do you call that? Well, that's an assembly. That's a group of people. It's a gathering together, a collection of people. So when that scripture says, "Forsake not the assembling." of yourselves together really what it's saying is you should be gathering together with the group of people okay be- being a part of the church so again we're we're talking about these people that that don't like the church that's the that's the dad language of of it they don't like the church well they yes they don't like the preacher or they don't like some somebody that's there or they don't like getting up early or they don't like putting on anything besides pajamas or, well, I'm going to let that one go. (laughs) They don't like whatever the reason is, fill in the blank, about church. And, again, what I was trying to say and get across to them is they have their reasons, but any of those reasons that I just listed, are they good reasons to not go to church? No. No. Genesis chapter twenty two where I was reading in the Bible, and it felt like the Lord was just was just illuminating some some real life um, situations to us that we can relate to. Um, we'll start here in Genesis. This is the story of a, right after the story of Abraham and Isaac on the mountain, and I'm sure most of you know that story where Abraham takes his son. To offer him as a sacrifice because that's what God told him to do. Take your son, thine only son. And without spending too much time on the details of the life of Abraham, if you recall, he did have another son that was with a concubine, that was a servant, but that wasn't with his wife, Sarah. And so when the Lord is saying to Abraham, Take your only son, he's saying, take the only one that I recognize. You have one child. That's Isaac, the one that I am recognizing. Born legitimately, if I can use that term. And we know that Abraham and Sarah, they were well on in age, past the normal childbearing years, and they conceive Isaac. Isaac's born and now the Lord's instruction to him is take him and offer him as a sacrifice. So we get through all of that, going to the mountain, taking the boy up there, putting him on the altar, uh, the Lord providing another sacrifice instead, and they come down from that. And now they're they traveled back to where it is that they came from. And that's where I'm going to pick up reading here for just a minute. okay? Genesis chapter 22, and we'll look at verse 20. And it came to pass after these things that it was told abraham saying behold milka she hath also borne children unto thy brother nahor so he's got a brother nahor and he's got the sister in law milka and he had his wife sarah they're well on in age. They had their one child. He was about to kill the child, and then the Lord spared the child. That's what we just talked about. And now somebody brings word to Abraham. Okay, I forgot one thing. Remember when Jesus gave, the Lord gave uh, Mo, uh, Abraham the promise, you will be the father of many nations. This was another promise that came on well in age, well in years. Your seed shall number the stars and be as the sand of the seas. That's how many descendants you're going to have. While he was propping up this, this crazy far out notion that old Abraham was going to be father Abraham. Father Abraham that had many sons, right? I am one of them so so after this okay he he almost lost that one son that he had and now he gets word it says behold milka she hath born children unto thy brother nahor verse 21 we'll start talking about them huz his firstborn and (laughs) buzz huz and buzz boy his brother and camuel the father of aram and Shesed, and Hazel, and Pildash, and Jitlap, and Bethuel, and Bethuel begot Rebekah. These eight, Milcah, did bear to Nahor, Abraham's brother. Why is it even necessary, or what's the purpose of pointing out children that Abraham's brother had? We're talking about Abraham is supposed to be the father of the many nations. And his brother's the one that's having all the kids. He, he just has this one. His, his, his brother has all the kids. And we won't, if you kept reading to the next chapter 23, the first thing that happens in chapter 23 is Sarah dies. The wife. The, the miraculous wife who somehow had a child well on in years, had this one son, and then she dies. Meanwhile, his brother, having kids left and right, growing the family. I believe that the Lord put that in there to give us just a little glimpse of what it was that Abraham had to deal with himself, in himself. I'm the one that's been promised to be the father of many nations, yet I have this one son, and my brother is being fruitful, multiplying. What am I? I don't know if we're supposed to keep having kids or not. But the next chapter answers that one right away. Sarah dies, so he's got to sit there, and he's he's got to sit there, and he's got to watch his his brother and and his brother's family, and hear about them, and. Huzz and buzz <laughs> and all those other ones they're just they 're just growing he 's got up to eight of them and and i mean hes he 's the one that 's on the way to the promise that God gave to me. Do you ever sit back and see someone and you say, Man, if I was on the track that they 're on, if my life was lined up the way they have things lined up for them. Man, let me tell you what I could do with that income. Let me tell you what I could do with a, a house that big, with a, with a family that size, with a, with a family of children that actually listen to you. Let me, see, let me tell you what I could do. And you start to compare where you've been put and what God has placed in your hands with what your brother has. What your sister has. What your, I, I said this jokingly the other day, and it was almost like I, it, hit a, it hit a wall. It fell so flat. When I talked about if we were to try to come and live here in the, in the church building and how nobody would be mad at each other. I, I, I mean, if we're all human, we're human enough to know, okay, I, I don't know about you. There's seven people in my household, and I don't know the last time a day went by when one of those seven wasn't angry at one of the other seven somewhere along the way. So you multiply that by a group this size and bigger, <laughs> and you, you, you start to see that's, that's my brother or that's my sister, but I'm human and they're human. So, uh, so what, again, what we're doing is Abraham has this, what I would call it, a, a, a test or temptation to see his brother be fruitful. And, and sit there and compare it to the promise that the Lord had given to him. That I'm supposed to be the father of many nations. Look over, if you will, at First Samuel. We'll start at chapter 1. I'm going to do a little bit of reading because I'm trying to give you the context of where it is we're talking about. First Samuel chapter 1. I'll start at verse 4. We're going to talk about another story, another passage in the Bible. Strangely enough, they both have to do with bearing children. First Samuel chapter 1, verse 4. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters, portions. But unto Hannah, he gave a worthy portion. So this is a guy named Elkanah. He's got two wives, Peninnah and Hannah. Peninnah is the wife that has many children. She's got the daughters. She's got the sons. So when, when Elkanah, the, the husband, is going to the temple to make an offering, it says he gives to, to, to Peninnah, he gives her portions. This is the offering that you're going to give on behalf of you, your children, our children. And then he goes over to Hannah, his other wife. It says, he gave a worthy portion to Hannah, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. Verse 6 And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. Now, it says her adversary. Almost all the time, 99% of the time, I would say when I use that word adversary or when I hear it used, we're talking about the devil, our adversary, our enemy. But here it says her adversary provoked her sore, made her fret, made her afraid, made her worried because she didn't have any children. Okay, verse 7, if you didn't know who that was, and as he did so, this is Elkanah, year by year, as he did so year by year, going to, to make up the offering and the sac- sacrifices. When she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. We're talking about two females here. We got the he, that's the husband. He's just going up to do the sacrifices. We got the her, that's Hannah. And we got the she, that's the adversary. That's Pinana. That's the other wife, the wife that has many children, okay? So Peninnah is provoking Hannah. I don't know exactly what that looked like, but I think we can get some pretty good ideas of what, of what it means for the, for the mom with several children to be provoking the mom with no children, Making her fret. Fret means worry and, and, and fear. She provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Verse 8. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? We'll keep reading. Verse 9. And so Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon the seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. I'll fast forward this story a little bit for you. She goes and she, she's in this weeping state, this provoked, fretting state. And she goes into the temple and she is just so distraught. She's so at the end of herself. She's trying to pray at the temple. And Eli the priest happens to see her. It says she he thinks she's drunk. It's because she's sitting there and she's she's tearful and she's just she she can't even get words out. It says she's praying, but she's praying in her heart and her lips are moving. But but Eli the priest is like, mmm, what do we got going on here? This lady who's kind of crying, kind of Dare I use the word hysterical? And you're drunk. What are you doing, lady? You don't approach the temple like that. And she, she, she collects herself enough and gathers herself enough to, to explain to him, no, here, here's what's going on. I, I, I'm provoked every day by my husband's other wife who's got all these children, and I can't have any children, and I want a child so bad that if I was just able to have this one child, I would turn right around and give him back to the Lord. I don't even want to have him for the sake of, you know, all the, all the fun and loving and, and parenting moments and the, those, those times. No, I just want to be able to say that I was fruitful. I just want to be able to say that I was able to contribute in this way. The way that I am supposed to Contribute. That's what that's what she's saying to him, and he says, "Woman, go thy way, and what you've asked for will happen." That's what the priest said to her. You go, you will have this son, like you said. The Lord has heard your prayer today. You will have this child. Okay, so fast forward to chapter 2 she goes and she has the child samuel is what she names him samuel t- would become the prophet uh, over all of israel but so this is this is the prayer that hannah prayed after she had this child after the lord answered that prayer that desperate plea she she prayed this Uh, First Samuel, chapter two, verse one. And Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock. Just like we were saying earlier, we were singing glory to God. That's what she's doing here in this prayer. She's giving glory to God because he's the one that made these things happen. Neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. Who do you think she's talking to there? Verse four, the bows of the mighty men are broken and they that stumbled are girded with strength. Verse five, they that were full have hired out themselves for bread. They that were full, they that had plenty in their house have hired themselves out for bread. Now they have to go work just to eat. And they that were hungry ceased, so that the barren hath borne seven. And she that hath many children is waxed feeble. If she wasn't praying and talking to the Lord in this, I probably would take some issue with what she's saying and her attitude about what she's saying. But I'm not sitting here trying to judge Hannah and her prayer. I'm trying to point out to you the, the place that she came from and what she had to deal with to get to where she was now. Okay? But she, through this process and, th- and even just reading this prayer of hers, we see she gained a lot of understanding. She gained a lot. Of wisdom. The, the Lord took her from that place of being barren and unfruitful, feeling like I'm just so unproductive. I can never get anything done. I'll never be able to get anything done. I'll never to be able to contribute in any meaningful way, all the way to, man, she's got a revelation. She's got several powerful revelations. We're not even done reading about them yet. But she's sitting there praying to the Lord and He answered her prayer in such a way that he brought understanding to a lot of things and a lot of areas in her life. I've been there where I uh, where I've said to myself, may have even said it to. Others, I don't feel like I have anything to contribute. I, I would probably be better off. If I just stopped trying altogether. And I just gave up. Because everything that I've tried, every involvement that I've been in, it just pff, crashes, crashes and burns. I feel like that's all that I can do is start something and watch it crash and burn. Maybe I would just be better to give up. Now, that's bad enough. But then I look over at my brother or my sister and seeing them produce and contribute and, and go above and beyond what it is that a normal person would even do. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm immediately judging in myself and comparing my lack to their abundance. Everything they do works. Everything that they try is successful. I, I don't know how they can just keep going. I mean, it's like they, they play, the, play the game Uno, and they keep drawing wilds. Man. Every card they get, perfect, perfect. How they're getting the good hand. And I'm just getting all these yellow zeros. Can't do anything with those. I'm going to lose. Look at verse 6. I told you she got a revelation. This is, a, this is her giving her revelation in her prayer. The Lord killeth... And maketh alive. He's the one that brings death. He's the one that brings life. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill. Man, she's really going on. This lady who was sitting, <laughs> this lady who was hysterical at the temple, and the priest thought, "Oh, it's just another one of those drunkards." Nope, she is proclaiming the word of God over this situation. He lifted up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes to make them inherit the throne of glory, for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and He hath set the world upon them. Keep going. He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength shall no man prevail. By strength shall no man prevail. My person that I'm judging, that keeps getting the good hand, keeps winning, keeps doing all these things right, I can take it from this. If they're just doing it in their own strength, if they're just doing it because they are the guru of their area, and they see when to move, when not to move, and it's all their strength. By their strength shall no man prevail. Verse 10, the adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. We talked about that word adversaries. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. This is the mom of Samuel, the prophet. Look at Psalms, chapter 73. Now we're going to talk about David. Abraham had to sit there and watch his brother have eight kids while he had this one and the wife that died. Hannah had to sit there and watch her sister wife, if I can use that term, have kid after kid after kid while she's barren. David. What does he have to say about this? Psalms chapter 73, verse 1. Truly, God is good to Israel. Everybody say, God is good. Even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. This is King David, the guy that wrote the entire book of Psalms all this stuff, went through all these great exploits. And he says, my feet were almost gone. I almost slipped. What would have caused King David to almost slip? For I was envious at the foolish. I was envious at the foolish. I I, I saw someone who I knew was foolish But I was envious of them. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I I know they're foolish. I know they're wicked. But they keep succeeding. They keep winning. My feet almost slipped. I almost gave up. I almost lost my place with the Lord because I'm watching the foolish succeed. I'm watching the the wicked continue in their winning ways. Look at verse 8. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression; they speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, his people return hither, and waters of a cup are wrung out to them. And they say, "How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High?" These are people that aren't just. Uh, I know they're foolish, and I know they're wicked because of the the way that they're talking about God. The way that they're saying, oh, I can do this without him. Here's how far I've gotten on my own. I can do everything that I need. What can God do for you that I haven't done for myself? Verse 11, they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the most high? Behold, these are the ungodly. Who prosper in the world. Everybody say, in the world. The ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. Verse 15, if I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. When I thought about this, the more I thought about this, the worse it got. It's not hurting them at all. The fact that I'm sitting here getting eat up in jealousy and eat up in envy. It's not hurting them at all, but it's killing me. It's causing so much pain, it's debilitating me. When I have that perspective of the success of the ungodly, when I have that perspective of someone that I know is wicked, someone that I know is foolish, and I hear them talking about all these things, and they're throwing it right in my face, and they're throwing it right in God's face, if I'm sitting there and I'm jealous of what it is that they're being able to produce, It's causing me pain. It's it's hurting me on the inside. It's killing my spirit. Verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. The sanctuary. Everybody say the sanctuary. The sanctuary is the safe place the safe haven. It's a rescue from the world. Being in his presence is a rescue from the world. So I am approaching the sanctuary of God with this debilitating sickness inside of me because I've been out in the world and I've been pondering the things of the world and I've been giving myself over to jealousy and envy, envy in the things of the world. I've been seeing my brother succeed, and I've been seeing the wicked succeed, and, and, and I'm, I know that what they're doing isn't right. I know the way they're going about it isn't right, but it's working for them. And then I come into his sanctuary, which is the safe place, and what does it say? I considered their end, the ungodly prosper in the world, the ungodly prosper in the world. I'll say it again. The ungodly prosper in the world. But think about their end. That's what David said. When I consider their end, their end is not in the world. Their end. Their end is not in the world. They have a soul. They have a living, eternal soul. And when I consider where their end will be with that eternal soul, that's not success. That's not something to envy. That's not something to be jealous about or watch and just, man, I wish I could trade. I wish I was on the track. If I I had that bank account, then let me tell you, because when I consider their end, surely, verse 18, surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Whose feet did almost slip? Mine, David's. But Lord, you set them in the actual slippery place, the slippery slope. Of that sinful life that they were in. You put them there. There's a parable that Jesus told when he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who's building up the word I would use is silos for his inheritance, for his goods. Everything that he can put, everything that he's gathered into his life, his wealth, his riches. He puts it in to a measurable storehouse. It's all there. And what Jesus says is, then that man dies. And who is left To gather his riches. What becomes of the things that he was storing up? He has no say over it. Because his end, what David says, because his end is in such a place where those goods are not going to do him any good. Those riches, they don't translate, they don't transfer. Let me see if I can help you a little more. Matthew chapter 6. Actually, before you go there, sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come. Who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. First Peter, chapter three. First Peter, chapter three, verse three. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and wearing of gold and putting on of apparel. Verse four. But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible. Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. Which is in the sight of God of great price. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them, otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in what's the word secret, that thine alms may be in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Keep reading. Verse 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Verse 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy father, which is in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Won't you stand with me? What what I'm after today, what I'm after today is not the being rewarded openly part of this. That's, That's not the reward. The fact that my... Father would reward me openly. That's up to him. It Says his that the father which seeth in secret shall himself reward thee openly. He's the one that chooses that. I, I I'm not. The Lord's gonna help somebody today, because if 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 my attitude is such. I have to succeed to the level that those who have watched me fail finally get to see me succeed. We've missed the point. (laughs) It's not so that I can look around and say, everybody look at me now. Remember me, the guy that was at the bottom? Now I'm at the top. That's not what it's about. It's about... The Lord, what he did for Hannah, giving that revelation, giving that understanding to know the Lord is the one that killeth. The Lord is the one that giveth life. The the Lord is the one that takes you down or raises you up. Because you know what? Once I've got that understanding, I'm not going to be too proud once I'm up here. Because I, if I truly know it and I truly believe it, then I'm going to know at any time he can come right along and let's chisel that down a little bit more. I don't want to get there. I don't want to get to that point where I've so exalted myself above where it was I was down. Let it be a meek and a quiet spirit. That's the reward. That's the what the scripture called the adorning. I get to have a meek and a quiet spirit to where I am now. What I w- what the Bible would call complete or perfect. When He's having that work in my life, the reward is completion, wholeness, perfection in my spirit. Amen. Let's pray to the Lord. I want to. I want us to reach out to the Lord today. I know he's here to give us wholeness. He's here to minister to us. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray right now, God, through the truth of your word and the revelation of your word, God, I pray that you would bring us to a state of completion in you, God, to where we would trust in you alone, to where we would know, God, that you're the one who's given us our life, Jesus, that we would know everything we have. It only comes from you, Jesus, Lord, all that we have, we can only find it in you. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to open this altar. I invite you to come forward. Get alone with the Lord. Let him talk to you. Let him deal with us about these areas in our lives that he's illuminating today. Jesus, I pray there would be no jealousy in my spirit. I pray there would be no envy in my spirit, Lord God. Jesus, I don't want to look at the prosperity of the wicked. Jesus, and judge myself or judge you based on that. God, I want to be humble before you. God, I want to be honest before you. Jesus, I want you to take my life. Jesus, I want you to give me a pure understanding. Give me a meek spirit, Lord God. Give me a meek and a quiet spirit. Jesus, I I pray for understanding today. Let it be prevalent in this place, God. God. Let there be revelation today in this place, Lord God, of the places you're walking us through. Jesus, of the seasons that you've put us in, Jesus, there's a reason behind each each place you've taken us to. God, I pray let us trust in you alone. Let us trust in you alone, Lord Jesus. deal with us about these areas of our life. He'll give understanding. He'll give revelation today, which is what we need. to the Lord for a moment, right there where you are. Jesus, I thank you for your word. Jesus, I thank you for doing this work in my life. Jesus, I pray that you would help us each to see the value, God, that you can produce through us. God, it's not about what we have to offer in ourselves and our own strength and our own abilities, Lord God. Jesus, but as we humble ourselves before you, as we give you control of our life, God, then we trust that you will do great and mighty things through us. Jesus, I believe that you're here looking at the future of every life today, God. God, and you see us as what you can do through us. You see us, Lord God, as what the work that you have waiting in store for us to do. Jesus, I pray today, help us to hold to that purpose. Help us to hold to that future, Lord God, where we can work hand in hand with you, God, to accomplish your will. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we surrender right now our own lives, God. We surrender our own lives, God, right now. We put our heart in your hands. Jesus, we trust you with our future. We trust you, God, with our life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, in your name. We have so much varied background. We have so much varied age groups here. But I'll tell you what, the Lord's not done working through any person that's in this room. Some of it, we some of it we think back to a time when things were better. And, and we don't we really don't see how things could ever be that good again. But I'm here to tell you, it's going to if we will allow the Lord the things he wants to do through us. What's been in our past doesn't even compare to that what we would see as successful the lord sees that as just a stepping stone for what greater thing he could be leading us to what the enemy wants to do is say no that was that was your potential you you missed your chance you could have gone further and above the lord could have done so many more great things through you but because of your choices because of your actions look where you are now and, and, and that's it I'm tell I'm telling you that's the voice of, of the liar it's the voice of the enemy to try and take you to a place where you see nothing but failure you see no potential this 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 will help you start looking at other situations at other people this is truth And when you see somebody and you start to recognize, man, they've got it going on. They're the one that the Lord's going to use to do something great. Remember Hannah. Like I said, it doesn't say what what it was that the other lady was doing. But what it does say is what the insight that Hannah had in her perspective to the situation She just viewed all of that as provoking. Provoking. The Lord doesn't provoke like that. He doesn't come around and say, I'm going to tell you something else that'll make you feel a little bit worse. I'm going to show you something else about you that's bad and something else about them that's good. Hear me. That is not the voice of the Lord. Amen. Jesus, we thank you for your presence that's here. We thank you, God, for your word. I pray, Lord Jesus, let us continue to walk in this truth today. God, I thank you for loving each one of us and giving us, Lord, this time, giving us this truth and this revelation and understanding of your word. God, I pray that it would continue to build our faith. Jesus, I pray that it would continue to build our spirit unto edification, Lord Jesus. Lord, those things that make for edification. God, I pray let those things continue and let the voices of every enemy, every accuser be silenced today. Jesus, I pray right now that there would be freedom, God, to walk in the truth of your word. God, that there would be no condemnation today. God, I pray that. The truth of your word would prevail in every heart, over every life today. Jesus, I believe that you've you've begun a good work, Lord. Jesus, and you are faithful. You will complete that work that you've begun here today. We thank you for it. Can we give the Lord thanks today and praise? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. We claim it today in Jesus' name. We claim it today in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Amen. You're dismissed. Why don't you greet one another in Jesus' name?